My name is Sister Prince. Today is Tuesday, November 22, 1988, and I am conducting an oral history interview with Norman Say regarding the civil rights movement in St. Louis, Missouri. My name is Norman R. Say. I am doing this at the request of Sister Prince. Sister, I assume, is denotes or connotes <laughs> that you are religious. No. <laughs> Just oh. a minute. Wait a minute. Now, uh, Mr. Say, in answer to your question, when I was born, I was given the name of Vida, V-I-D-A, which is my mother's name. And my brother could not pronounce Vida. He was three, so they said baby sister, and he picked up sister, and that's what I am. <laughs> to most people, and to you too, please. Um, I, to begin with, um, newspaper research has indicated that the Jefferson Bank demonstration was a watershed for civil rights in St. Louis. And what do you think, in your own perspective? I, I, I'm not too sure of the definition of watershed. Well, as it, I, I would say that it is the the. Um, turning point, a beginning, a change? Um, I um, would agree with the definition of change. It was a major thrust in the city of St. Louis to gain employment opportunities for Afro-Americans, especially uh, jobs that were categorized as white-collar positions. It was an opportunity for Afro-Americans to say that we're part of the city and we need to receive some of the profits or recognitions uh, uh, from the city. It was a way of saying I am somebody and I demand that you respect me. It was another way of saying that we're going to take control of our own destiny and we're going to have an improved quality of life. How did it begin? You were involved with CORE. Yes, very I, heavily. I, I was, uh, I'm one of the founding members of St. Louis Corps. Mm -hmm. Corps started uh, around 1948 in the city of St. Louis. Uh, we uh, met together, blacks, whites, Jews, Protestants, Catholics, etc. And we began first with the dime stores, with the drug stores, with Famous and Bard, Stixbear and Fuller, places of public accommodations in the downtown area. And we were operating, oh, 10, 15 years prior to the uh, Jefferson Bank situation. In fact, we had begun to make inroads in the uh, public accommodations area. And so we decided, where should we go now? And we thought that we should uh, move into employment. And then we said, where? Mm -hmm. What aspect? 
we decided that we would uh, deal with the banks. And we selected Jefferson Bank because Jefferson Bank was located in an Afro-American neighborhood right on the corner of Jefferson and Easton, it was called at that time, but now we call it Dr. Martin Luther King. We negotiated about two years with the banking industry, trying to select the correct bank and trying to coerce the banks to employ Afro-Americans in white-collar positions. Uh, we after, well, there are basically three steps involved in CORE's process. The first is to test, to see what the situation is, and after we gather that data, or those data, we would uh, negotiate mm -hmm. with management to see whether or not uh, we could uh, reach a solution, whatever the situation was. Mm -hmm. And if that failed, we would bring it to the attention of the public and one of the vehicles was, of course, the public demonstration as was exhibited by Jefferson Bank. But we would use other techniques. We could uh, distribute flyers, we could get petitions, uh, we could talk uh, with other persons to bring pressures upon the, the company. Nevertheless, after about two years with Jefferson Bank, uh, we decided that, uh, oh, Jefferson Bank moved. It moved from Jefferson and Easton to an integrated area in a commercial area. It was on the fringe area on Jefferson and Washington. And in that process, those uh, Afro-Americans were terminated who were working as tellers because I think I said earlier there were a few Afro-Americans working as tellers uh, when the bank was on Jefferson and Easton. <coughs> Uh, on Washington, you might remember that during that same week, we had, had the March on Washington, and that was highly successful, led by Martin Luther King. And some of us didn't go on that march to Washington because we knew that we were planning our own demonstration in the city of St. Louis. We. Before the demonstration, either that day before or on that, I think it was the day before, or either it was on that Sunday when we met, we were told that we had heard that the bank was trying to get an injunction. And on that day, we were also warned that there was an injunction and uh, how we should govern ourselves. So we planned uh, to obey the injunction. There was no plan, to my knowledge, uh, that we should uh, disrupt the services of the bank. We got there, I've forgotten the time, I think four at 4 o'clock, <laughs> 4 to 4.30. That's what it says. Is that what it <laughs> says? And, well, we assembled someplace else, or we might have assembled on the parking lot. And uh, then we had several meetings on the parking lot. And then we got on the line, and the li line was going along fairly well. It would just stop a minute, mm -hmm. and, and I, I, you're doing fine. <laughs> I just want to make it as descriptive sure. as we possibly can. On the line. On the line. Okay. When we're talking about line, we're talking about 
demonstrators walking, walking. in front okay. of, on the sides of, and uh, behind the bank, with walking around the, the bank with, with banners, banners, with uh, picket signs mm -hmm. uh, urging the bank to employ four tellers. That's what we were asking them to do, to, uh, to, form, to employ four uh, Afro-American tellers. And had you brought in other people besides CORE members? Oh yes, all of our demonstrations. CORE was always a small, small group. It's a national organization, but in St. Louis it was very small. I guess we might have had regular members maybe uh, 2025, 35, uh, but we were able to get sympathizers, persons who uh, were interested in fair play, adults, students, high school, college students, etc. In fact, during the summertime, we were able to get, uh, we would have a larger group because many of the college students were home and they would uh, work with us uh, during, during the summertime. How did you let the word out that this was what you were going to do and this is what you needed? In the, was it a short time before you... No, we notified our members and we contacted others and saying that we were going to demonstrate at the bank, that it was going to be a, a peaceful demonstration. And basically it was a peaceful demonstration. Everything was going along well until the employees of the Guff Electric Company, G-U-T-H, right across the street, uh, got off from work. And many of them brought their checks uh, to the bank to get them cash. And so when we saw them coming, some of the persons stood in front of the door and said, you can't go in here. And they said, well, why can't we go in? We're going to go anyway. And so they just pushed their way uh, past our people, over our people, and went into the bank. And then, of course, for every action, there's a reaction. Our people became excited, and then they began going into the bank. And that's when pandemonium set in. Uh, there was no organization. People just went into the bank, demonstrators as, and, as well as others, and stood in front of the cages, the teller cages. And that prevented persons from negotiating their activities at the bank. This went on until the bank closed. The bank closed at 6 o'clock, and all of us came out, and I had taken my niece and my nephew with me to add to the number of persons, and so they were ages 5 and 8. Therefore, that was their first experience in being in a picket line. Uh, and I was among the last persons to go because I was in, within walking distance of my home. And so I just stayed around until almost everyone had gone, um, including the police. In fact, I think that we, the two children and I, were, were the, the last persons to leave. Um, so I said, well, it's another demonstration. Um, just as we had demonstrated at other places, at the Walgreens drugstore and things of this type. Were you surprised that it had gotten a little more um. uh, we uh, yeah I was surprised I didn't anticipate uh, that degree of involvement especially on the first day were you concerned not really concerned uh, I didn't think that we were going to get arrested I didn't think 
Well, I didn't think about it while it was going on because it happened so quickly and the excitement of that half an hour, 45 minutes or whatever it was that we spent in the bank was so intense, was so high and um, that I didn't think about the outcome, the penalty. What was happening inside the bank? Very little was going on. Uh, people were just standing, looking around, singing, holding hands, preventing uh, persons from coming into the into the bank and, and carrying on the normal banking uh, procedures or, or, or getting involved in the normal banking process. Persons could not cash their checks, they could not get money, they could not deposit funds. The bank just was immobile because of our being there because we had maybe about 75 or 80 persons inside the bank and we were just, the bank officials were excited, the police department didn't know what to do. <laughs> so it was just uh, a festive almost kind of uh, uh, atmosphere because we thought we had uh, done something. We, and we had uh, something that had gotten out of control, but we were pleased with yeah, it. We it went were excited your way. about it. It went our way, yes. When it was over, uh, I learned the next day that Marion Oldham, Herman Thompson, and two others, I believe, had been uh, detained by the sheriff of the city of St. Louis. Now, we were not uh, arrested by the police because we violated no law. So we don't have police records as of today. But we were held in contempt, civil contempt, uh, because we did not obey the judge's uh, mandate. We met those of us who were, we met uh, on that Saturday night, I believe, and we decided we would give ourselves up, we would surrender to the sheriff on Sunday. So about three or four o'clock on Sunday, we surrendered to the sheriff. And the uh, following Monday, we were in the courthouse. And that was an exciting experience because I had never been in jail before, never been in a courtroom. So it was kind of a scary situation as well. Uh, but it was uh, an uplifting uh, session in the courthouse because it was the first time I had seen so many Afro-American attorneys. I think uh, just about each Afro-American attorney in the city of St. Louis, greater St. Louis area, was in that courtroom to see what was going to happen uh, to us. And I don't remember all the details, but and I, it might not have been on the first day, and I doubt if it, if it had been on the first day. We were told that um, it was civil contempt, and then they changed it to criminal contempt. And then they set our bonds at a very high level, like $10,000 and higher, I think. I think at one time it went up to $100,000. And our lawyers were appalled that for such a violation, the, the, the penalty would be so high, the interim penalty, should we say. Our next thing was to raise money to get us out or to find persons with property 
who would qualify. Eventually, those things were done. The AKA's uh, John Ella Haley was the president of AKA at that time, and she, uh, Frankie Freeman, the Margaret Bush Wilson, Robert Wilson, Clyde K. Hill, uh, Anita Bond, Dr. Suggs, Donald Suggs, and many others, uh, Dr. Oh, I can't think of this man's name. Doctor, he's a dentist. Doctor uh, Davis, Ben Davis. Ben Davis came to our rescue, did a tremendous amount of, uh, of good for us, holding little parties, uh, raising funds raising in order for us to, to pay the court costs and to give some type of token to the attorneys because the attorneys would work day and night just trying to save us. Our case went all the way up to the Supreme Court and we lost. So, of course, you can realize whenever you go all the way to the Supreme Court, it takes tons of money. Mm -hmm. Even in 1963, a lot of money. Oh, we uh, lost our case on the first round. That was the, uh, the uh, circuit attorney, the circuit level, state level. We appealed to the state uh, Supreme, uh, state court of appeals, and we got some relief. Um, and some of the persons were relieved, were released. I think uh, Ray Howard was one. I think Charles Oldham was another. I think the attorneys were released. And we, because we'd raised the bail money, we were free. I began working again, that was at Sumner High School, as a work-study coordinator. And uh, during the appeals process, when going all over the Supreme Court, I, we lost, and so I had to go back along with the rest of us. We had to go back to jail. So we went into the city jail, and while we were in the city jail, the first time and the second time, each night, we would have guests. These would be nuns, priests, other religious persons, uh, just supporters, black and white, Jew and Gentile, Protestant, you name it, was there, supporting us, saying good night telling us to keep our spirits high. They could come inside? No, this was outside. This outside. They were outside they were, the jail, okay. marching around yeah. the jail. So, sometimes they had candles, mm -hmm. and they would all light candles and sing or chant mm -hmm. or just yell to, to, to keep our spirits high. And of course, again, while we were in jail the first time, other core members were still demonstrating at the bank. And then Percy Green was very prominent also because see, Percy Green actually was a member of CORE and he left CORE to form an organization called Action because he felt at that particular time that CORE was becoming a little bit too conservative, wasn't uh, assertive enough. So while we were in jail, demonstrations were going on at the bank, at the judge's home, we were trying to contact churches, and we did contact churches. 
and other groups urging them to take their money out of Jefferson Bank. We included the city of St. Louis. There were demonstrations in Jack Dwyer's office at that time with the treasurer of the city. The media <coughs> were saying that we were not responsible citizens, that we were tramps and troublemakers, etc. The doctors said that was not the situation. And to prove it, they themselves demonstrated in front of the bank. I so one day. I have a. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I, I've seen that. You've seen the picture. Uh -huh, of Jerome, okay. Dr. Jerome Williams right. leading a group of persons. Yes. Uh, then I think in that same picture, uh, Anita Bond is, and Dr. Leslie Bond, uh, Dr. Suggs, and Dr. Prophet, and several other persons are there. This is the beginning, is this the... Yeah, that's one of the scenes where persons were sitting in front of the teller cages inside the bank. Mm -hmm. And as you can see, it's very difficult uh, to uh, get across now. Mm -hmm. And you see the police officers and everything there. You know, that's one of the scenes. And that's another uh, scene where we would become nonviolent. We were not violent at all. And this we would go limp. Yeah, this is October 7th. Okay, now that's not us. That's not we. Mm -hmm. uh, those are some of the other demonstrators. While we were in jail, right. they were continuing the process process at the, at, at the bank. Yeah. And the first one was when you, uh, that was the first day. Yeah, I think that was the mm -hmm. first time. Yeah, that's the first okay. time. Okay. Um, this was S City Hall. Okay, that most likely December when we were 31st. protesting, uh, asking the mayor and or the treasurer to withdraw the money right. uh, from the bank. And so we were lent. And that was new in those days, and the police didn't know how to handle us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so um, that's what happened. They carried us out. Uh, Mr. Say, were you um, and the rest of the Central Corps members surprised at what was taking place? At, at Here you had been picketing stores and lunch counters and all of a sudden you begin with the bank and you're covered by the media you're in jail well we got more coverage for that this particular activity than we did for our preceding years of activities starting Ex exactly in but you, your expectations we did not expect that type of coverage mm -hmm. I think the reason we got the coverage were maybe the two or three reasons. Number one, uh, we were not expected to violate the injunction. Number two, it was at a bank. And uh, I, I think those are maybe about the two uh, principal reasons for the coverage. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel that um, something really special was happening? Well, in retrospect, yes, but not 
then. Not then? No, no. We realized that what we were doing, it was just another, it was another, let's, I can't say for them, I can only say for me, mm -hmm. it was just another demonstration. And I, I think I said we began in 48, so that's 40, that's 58, mm -hmm. and those numbers of years, and those 13 years, we had never been arrested. And so there was no history mm -hmm. of whatever we did, we were able to get away with it. Uh, but we had never, of course, violated the law to that degree. Yes. Uh, and so massive, that was the other thing. It was just massive. We had about 250 people or more outside of that bank. And that was just frightening. It was appalling and of course it followed the other point for the publicity, it followed on the heels of the March on Washington, which was very peaceful, but yet it was a protest. And that's what we were doing. We were protesting. We wanted fair treatment. Were you very proud of yourselves? That day, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were proud because we had closed the bank. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, Deep down, when one is a core member, one is taught and is, is, well, one is taught that once these public demonstrations are initiated, uh, generally there is a reaction, and the reaction might be negative, but when that reaction comes, then it's extremely important for you, for one to, uh, to react in a nonviolent way because we were following the, the philosophy of Gandhi, Martin Luther King. And, uh, most persons say eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but we turned the other cheek. Did you expect, in the very beginning, did you expect, you, you told me that you tested, you negotiated, and then you had a public protest, that was the way you did. Did you expect them to sit down and talk to you? Initially, when we, we, we worked on the bank for about two years, the banking industry, mm -hmm. we had hoped that they would. Mm -hmm. We were not optimistic, but we had hoped. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons we selected the Jefferson Bank was because of its location. Mm -hmm. And then when it moved from one point to an integrated, from a segregated area to an integrated area, we thought that it would be relatively easy to win that as a victory, but we were disappointed. You told me something today that I'd never heard with all the reading and that if it hadn't been for the people at Guff coming across the street, it might not have taken that turn. I, I, I really think not. I really think not. Because we did not, to my knowledge, plan to go into the bank. But I think that the inertia of the situation mm -hmm. just took control. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, mm -hmm. We, we, we had no control over it. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, all right. Uh, as it took shape and as it changed, because this is not what you really thought was going to happen, how, how did you all plan? I mean, did you, did you meet uh, your 15 or 20 people? Well, and. And was there... Most of us, the 19 the of us were in jail. 
few of us got out, four or five got out. Uh, so they helped in the planning process. Mm -hmm. But one of our traits, one of our characteristics in CORE was that we would change leadership every three months approximately. So we had a, re a reservoir of persons who were experiencing mm -hmm. leadership. Plus we had Gene Tenure, who was our national, one of our national representatives. He came, he was in town. Mm -hmm. um, so we did have a cadre of persons who were not arrested, who could still keep the organization moving. And we were meeting at that time primarily at Centennial Christian Church. That's on Fountain in Albert. And uh, each Sunday, or was it Tuesday? I think for a while on Sundays and then I think we were meeting Tuesdays and Sundays for a while because <laughs> things became so hectic. But most of the time, while the demonstrations were going on, uh, those 19, those little 19 jail persons were in jail except for four or five. I, I read where um, Stovall, Director of Welfare, said if the bank would just sit down and negotiate. Yes. Chester Stovall was our jailer <laughs> as director of welfare. <laughs> he was responsible for the jails. And had been an executive, not an uh, employment or manpower uh, director for the Urban League. And so he knew the system, he knew some of the problems that might have been the person responsible for the bank employing those few tellers initially. Mm -hmm. So he was sympathetic with, with our cause and uh, was supportive. In fact, when they transferred us from the jail to the workhouse, he drove us himself, allowed us to get into his car. Since all of us were respectable citizens, all of us had jobs and were doing well, uh, he had a high trust, he knew most of our parents and things, and so it was, it, that was one of the good things about it. Um, do you feel like you were treated by the courts um, in an unequal kind of way? Oh, there's no question we were not treated fairly. They had the inroad because people thought that we were a revolutionary group, that we were going to have uh, a coup, that it was going to be with blood, and they thought that uh, they had to demonstrate against us. They had to make a lesson out of us. Mm -hmm. uh, the bomb so extremely high. The sentences so extremely long. In addition to time in jail, we were also fined uh, money, like a thousand dollars. And being incarcerated and raising that money <laughs> was very, very difficult. Fortunately, we had a good organization outside for supporters. Uh, you were holding down a job. Yes. You. Uh, I believe were uh, with the Board of Education you were teaching. Right. But you were also involved with the Ford Foundation. Well, at that time I was not teaching. I uh, 
the Ford Foundation had given a grant to the St. Louis school system to devise a program where youngsters could go to school half mm -hmm. day and work half day. And I served as coordinator for that program mm -hmm. at, the sh at Sumner High School. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they, they had no problem with any of this? Well, yeah, the principal was Afro-American. The staff was Afro-American. And realized that whatever we were doing, uh, we were doing for the... It takes a, a minute for this to... I don't want to miss a word. I can't even see him now. Um, and that we were demonstrating for the benefit of them also mm -hmm. that whatever benefits would come, they would enjoy them as well. In fact, some of the faculty members at Vishon, at Sumner High School uh, collected money for me mm -hmm. to help pay my bills. I think they collected about five or six hundred dollars, so I was grateful to them for that. Uh, Mr. Say, it sounds as though, um, with all the other things, even though you picketed and, and been involved core in and AACP and all sorts of things, that this, was this something that brought the community, the Negro community at that time, more together with whites? Well, no, I don't think that it, it brought one segment of whites together those who were of goodwill and those who wanted to do something. We had many detractors, persons who were not in our corner. Mm -hmm. The power establishment, uh, many of the racists in the city. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was uh, opposition to us. Uh, in fact, on the picket line itself, on a couple of days, I do remember uh, some who were against what we were doing, picketing. But we got along well together. We didn't have any uh, conflict. Uh, there were no, uh, there was no fistica. There were, there were no violence. There was no violence. Mm -hmm. There was no, um, there was animosity, but there was no physical contact between the two picket lines. Um, now, Evelyn Roberts made a statement along with maybe, I think it was McNeil, T.D. Um, McNeil, yes. About the fact that they were not in favor of this. How did that, how do you well, feel about that? Um, there are many ways in which one can skin a cat. And we were taking one approach uh, those persons, uh, Evelyn Roberts, uh, T.D. McNeil, were not against our objectives, our goals. They were concerned about the, the weapons, the vehicle that we, we used in order to achieve our objective. And even today, people differ. And in those days, depending upon one's position, one's experiences, uh, there was a great deal of, of difference about our approach. I mentioned earlier Percy Green. Percy Green was a member of our group, 
but felt that we were too conservative, we were moving too slowly, and so Percy established his own group. And just as Percy thought we were moving too slowly, others were thought that we were moving too fast. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, we were, we would have liked to have had their support because they were the so-called responsible persons for me from the establishment's point. But we didn't have it, but that didn't deter us. We uh, went on because we were right. And most of the persons thought that we uh, were right. And even those two persons you identified, I think deep down in their hearts, I feel they were uh, pleased with what we had done. Mm -hmm. I, as just a student of this, mm -hmm. I, I somehow, when I uh, saw that and read other things, I, I wondered if maybe they felt that it was it would be helpful if they said that and stayed in that area uh, while you were doing what you well, all felt. Well, it, it opened dialogue between them and the establishment. It helped to uh, maintain some kind of rapport. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it was orchestrated, uh, organized, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, you belong to in AACP, Urban League? Was yes. it all at yes. the same I, time? Yes, I belonged to all of those at the same time. In fact, uh, it was Margaret Bush Wilson who was, went on to become the state president of the NACP and finally the chairman of the board of directors of the NACP who appointed me the chairman of the uh, Criminal Justice Committee and, and uh, within the NACP. And as a result of that, I have uh, developed uh, a great uh, concerned about uh, the criminal justice system, and have been very, I've been very active in the total criminal justice system. In fact, during that general period of time, I served as chairman of the NAACP, uh, Federation of Block Units, and the, um, let's see, well, I have it all down here. <laughs> Would you like me to tell and you what? And <laughs> criminal justice committees, right? And ACB, and, we and were able, And we were able to coordinate that, and made it a major dent in the in the, uh, the the criminal justice system, because there was no vehicle for recording complaints, and now we have a written complaint procedure within the uh, St. Louis Police Department. There were maybe about less than 100 Afro-American police officers. So that was a less than 6%. Mm -hmm. And now we have on the police department uh, approximately 22% uh, police officers being of Afro-American descent. So we're talking maybe about 350 officers. Uh, we did a great deal of good in those days, and I'm proud of what we did. Very exciting. Um, tell me, do you remember this particular picture? I, you know. Oh, I. March 8, 1967. March 8, 1967. I get. I know. I don't remember. That looks like a federal building. So mm -hmm. we might have been in the federal court, but that's Polak. Mm -hmm. Did you want me to name? Them? No. I, okay. Look, I've got okay. them all okay. all back here. But I, re uh, I remember that. Um, 
right. Let's see, does this this is this was right afterwards. This was after the first of the year. Uh, January sixteenth, nineteen sixty four. Yeah, that's demonstration. I don't. I think I don't know whether the, whether that's in front of the bank or where. And that might be an action. I don't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it says action. Right. Mm -hmm. Here, this was picketing the board of education. Well, the board of education that dealt with yeah, segregated six, schools. Five. Yeah. Um, well, I'm saving that. <laughs> that one. Um. All right. Uh, let me see. Uh, during the uh, months of August through January, you were of '63. That's when you were incarcerated. Incarcerated. Um, Jail. You'd never been there before, you said. No. Jail was an interesting experience. Were you afraid? No. We weren't afraid because we were lucky. There were nine of us on the same level. But you on the each, same tier. But you got different sentences and they don't seem to make sense. Well, that was because those who got the longest sentences were considered to be the leaders of the leaders. But actually those were the persons who, well, Bob Curtis was the chairman of CORE mm -hmm. doing the Jefferson Bank demonstration. So I see what the, why they would have given that to him. But Clay was cocky, defiant, and was the alderman and was always saying something and they didn't like the way he talked and what he said. And so they were eager to punish the leader and an the right to make an example not only of them but especially of them as well as the rest of us uh, the jails were in, that was a horrible that was a bad experience uh, but fortunately I guess there must have been maybe 20 some odd persons to a tier that's what they call them they had a hall and there sometimes we had maybe four persons in the cell, sometimes five at night, and they'd put a mattress on the floor and allow that person to sleep on the floor. And occasionally we would get cigarette butts in the milk or fly, an insect in the food. And prior to feeding you, they'd lock you up. And then they would bring those tin plates and set them on a ledge and then they would open the gates and you'd run out to get your food and you'd always try to get the food where the most food was on the particular plate. Uh, we were not assigned to any work because they didn't want anybody to harm us and they didn't want anything to happen to us. So we just sat in the cells. You were all together? All of us were together and that was a blessing. Right. So who was in with you? Oh, I think Benny. Now, when I say we were all in the cell together, I'm not talking about one individual. We were all on the same tier together. Mm -hmm. um, with me, I think. Uh, oh, I can't think of this man's name now. But oh, 
So there were more than one in a cell. Yes, yes, okay. yes. There might have been four or five persons in a cell. Mm -hmm. And in most most situations, there were there might have been somebody else in the cell with us, with each person. Perkins? Could it have been Perkins? No, it wasn't Perkins. It was one of the younger persons. Richards? No. Alan Lee. Lee. Kenneth Lee. Kenneth Lee. Kenneth Lee was the person who was with me most of the time. Well, that's part of the second group. Right. Taylor Jones, right. Lewis Ford, Ian Green, right. Benjamin Goins. Right. When Benjamin Kenneth Goins Lee. was with me for a while. And Ronald Glenn. And, well, I don't think Ronald. So occasionally, because between your meal times, you could um, visit with each other in a cell. So that was really, I, I, I really don't remember exactly who was with me most of the time. Danny Pollock was with me for a while too. But I think most of the time it was Kenneth Lee. What was your mood swings? Were you? Well, we thought that things were going to be better for us. And we didn't think that, we were not, we were not depressed. It was just boring, just sitting in a cell. You were restricted, confined, you didn't have your freedom. But we were never depressed. We were not down. We knew a better day was ahead. Did you feel a bit heroic? We felt good about ourselves, not necessarily heroic. Uh, but we felt that we had made a contribution, particularly when we began to hear that the banks were employing Afro-Americans in the white-collar positions, and other industries were moving ahead, too. Uh, we knew that we had done some good, mm -hmm. yeah. so but had somebody a, had, had to a, pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were. Yes, we were paying. You were. Uh, I think it took a certain amount of I can run some names, some some words by you. Uh, courage. Well, it took courage in retrospect. It took courage um, to 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 get up and and go and say, "Well, now I've got to go and face the judge." But. It was a facade because we were all scared uh, because this was a new experience, new, new terrain. Most of us had never been escorted by police officers. Oh, even when you go to the bathroom in the courtroom, you were followed by police officers. So this was um, an experience for us. Uh, we were not, uh, it was not our desire to be in jail. It was just a condition. It was one of the possibilities that when you fought, when you take a direct um, action in a nonviolent way. Anger? At times we became angry, yes. We became angry with the judge. We became angry with our attorneys. Uh, we became angry with each other. Uh, because you're confined, you had no freedom, no outlet.
-hmm. and uh, almost the same food every day or at least every other every three three or four days uh, the, the roaches I can see now uh, in the facility along with other insects um, the, the number of persons in the cells um, the frequency with which one could take a bath all of those were just negative conditions were but you excuse me mm -hmm. no go ahead i was gonna say we overcame <laughs> <laughs> yes you did were you able to have any possessions personal possessions yes personal possessions meaning um, you could keep a little money jail money they call it mm -hmm. for buying toothpaste or candy or something of this type but when you're in jail, nothing is really your own. I shall never forget, I think I shared with you that we went from the city jail to the workhouse. Mm -hmm. And I had bought some toothpaste. And I was using one, and the other one I just put it in my foot locker. And one day I needed that second tube of toothpaste. I reached for it, opened it, opened the container, and it was just an empty container, the box that had the two uh, enclosed. Right, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, but to make a long story short, the tube wasn't there. It was just an empty box. Mm -hmm. Someone had taken it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the, the honor that you talk about among thieves yes. is not necessarily so. <laughs> no. uh, were you allowed to get mail? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, we, we could write uh, freely. And basically the jailers wanted to treat us well, as well as they could, without creating major problems with other prisoners, because we were just one handful of prisoners. Because that, at that time, the, the jail nor the workhouse was under the federal court's decree, and so they had tons of people mm -hmm. and persons who had committed major and serious crimes and they didn't want any of us hurt either because uh, that would have been a, another uh, reason for additional activity. Were, were cells segregated at that time? Yes, oh yes, yes. Whites were on certain tiers and blacks was, were on other tiers. But they, I see some of our demonstrations were white, but so they kept all of us together. Oh. Uh -huh. So that was a blessing. Yeah. We had strength in numbers. What did you wear? Wear, 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 wear. You wear whatever your family members brought you. Oh, you didn't have to wear a uniform? No, 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 no. no. In fact, we wore overalls most of the time mm -hmm. uh, that our people brought us. Were you allowed to, like, go outside and walk in some mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. yard? Mm -hmm. Not in the city jail. Mm -hmm. Now, when we went to the workhouse... Well, you were in the city jail for how long? Oh, I've forgotten exactly, but well. maybe... I, my, my sentence was 90 days, and I think all of those days were spent in the workhouse except for maybe 10 to 20. So I can say that maybe 
20 days I spent in jail, and the rest of the time, the regular uh, 70 days I spent in the workhouse. And the workhouse was ideal as far as I was concerned because we had each person had his individual cot. It was like a, a dormitory room. And uh, the food was good. The food was good, especially when you compare it with the city jail. Uh, there were, and we had something to do. For an example, I started school, which is still in operation. Uh, people couldn't read or write. I started a recreational program, which is there no longer, I don't think. And what, was, what was the recreational program? Oh, we were just playing volleyball mm -hmm. between or among the dormitories, mm -hmm. just to get something going. Uh, because after chow, you did nothing. That's the bad thing about a, a jailhouse. Uh, when you, did you pray? Did you sing? We prayed individually. I don't think we had any mass Oh, we went to church. Yes, yes. We went. To, we they they brought the priest in. Uh, we in the jail. We would go upstairs, and the top, and that was one way of moving out of the area by going to church. Uh, <laughs> so everyone went to church. Almost everybody <laughs> went to church because it was just a, a joy to get out of that environment mm -hmm. to another environment, even though the conditions were the same. Just a, a difference, basically there. Uh, you knew when people were outside. Yeah. You could hear it. Yeah, we could hear them, and we knew what time they were coming. They'd come the same time all the time. They would either write us letters saying that they were coming, and then there was another one fellow by the name of Bill Bailey. Bill Bailey worked for the city of St. Louis and was one of our supporters. And each day that each of us was in jail, he would write each of us a card. And we remember that. That took a whole lot of dedication. Bill Bell, every day he would write cards to X number of people uh, in jail. So everyone... Uh, the everyone, those demonstrators, mm -hmm. those 19 demonstrators. Uh, so you served your entire I, I time? served my entire 90 days, plus my $1,000 fine. I don't know who paid my fine. <laughs> but I guess uh, some of the persons who uh, raised the money, mm -hmm. Jerome Williams, Anita Bond, Suggs, that I engaged in. Uh, is there anything that I haven't touched on up to now that you feel you'd like to comment on? No, I think you have covered it adequately. I can't think of um, anything other than most of the persons who were involved in the activity have made a contribution to the development of our country. I think of Congressman Clay, of course, making the maybe the most substantial. Uh, some of our members are dead. Uh, I think of Charles Oldham, a highly successful attorney, 
Marion Odom, highly successful real estate uh, official. Herman Thompson became another lawyer. Um, Lewis Ford is a state representative. Ray Howard is um, an, a distinguished attorney. Those are the only ones that I can think of. Uh, Ronald Glenn uh, is working for the Ebony or the Jet magazine. Oh, let's see. Well, those are the only ones I can think of right now. Ian Graham, I don't know where Ian is or what he's doing. Uh, I don't remember right now. Uh, Grand and his wife gotten her name. And let's see. Ronald Glenn, I mentioned. I don't know. I forgot. Sorry. Um, you were you were one of the first. You were the first group. You were in the first. Group. Yes, I was in the first first group. Now, when we say the first group, we're talking about the first nine. Mm -hmm. There were nine of us. Mm -hmm. And the other persons were arrested on that Monday. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And we were surprised to see them. <laughs> Why was that? Well, we didn't know that they were going to do that. We didn't know that they were going to be arrested. Well, it, it must, might, might have made you feel good. To... Well, it was always happy to have someone to bring you some fresh news. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to look back on this, Mr. Say? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's a good feeling. It makes it makes me feel as if I've made a contribution. If I've done no other good. I know that I have contributed to the opening of doors so that Afro-Americans and other minorities and women can uh, secure a position in the banking industry and other allied industries. It's a degree of inner satisfaction to go into a bank and to see an Afro-American as a manager, as a vice president, or to see just a teller. Because there's a feeling that I help to pave the way for that person. Yes. Uh, and not only true in, in the banking industry, but I can go to the Gas, or Union Electric, famous in bar. Almost the same situation. Famous and Bar had those elevators, those manually operated elevators, and blacks were elevator operators. And to be an elevator operator at that time, one had to be very light, almost as light as you, or lighter, with hair, straight hair, hair similar to yours, and a college degree, or at least college training, in order to be an elevator operator. And they were going to terminate those persons when they got those automatic elevators. But Corrigan said we're going to have a picket line on the day that you dedicate those elevators. And the mayor of the city, Tucker, said, I will not cross the picket line to dedicate those elevators. And that's how we got uh, uh, 
Afro-Americans serving as, as uh, salespersons in Famouson Bar today because the Mayor Tucker wouldn't cross the picket line. Famous wanted their elevators dedicated. So Famous decided that it would reassign those elevator operators. So we can add the word pride. Yeah, that's a good word. I feel a sense of, of pride. That's good. Pride, confidence, uh, satisfaction, even a little bit of ego. Good for you. Good for you. I shake your hand on that one. Well, I think that, and I think it's wonderful to have done the things that you've done. But I think it's also good to to talk about them, to feel it, and say it about yourself, and 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 be able to project that for other people. Yeah. Because it, if you project it in a way that people can feel, mm -hmm. then maybe they'll feel, I too can do that. Yeah. He did that, I can do that. Yeah. And, and well, I think I, I, you're absolutely correct. Because uh, we were attacking, it was relatively easy then, because it was overt. It was racism. It was Jim Crow, it was segregation, it was discrimination. You could see it, you could touch it, you could smell it. And as of now, it's much more sophisticated and subtle, sneaky, coverted, and much, it, it, it isn't accessible. You've got to remove the facade in order to see it. You've got to watch a certain pattern. And to, to move, see, what we did, we just opened the door. Afro-Americans are just, in my opinion, just on the, the edge. They aren't fully inside. And they aren't going up on the escalator or the elevator. Just only a few. And so there needs to be another major struggle to get us um, in the executive suites and in lower and middle management because we aren't moving rapidly enough. Well, the Black Bank, the Gateway National Bank, is a direct result. It's just a yes. one. That's the only one in the city of St. Louis. We're very proud of it, and we're just hoping that more of us and others utilize its services. What are the subtle ways that, that racism is practiced today? Mm -hmm. Oh, sometimes the requirements are written much higher than is necessary. Um, many times we might not know of an opening or a company might accept one's application and still not process it. Um, sometimes there are several interviews and it depends upon who's interpreting the interview, whether or not you got the right or wrong answer, even in an oral interview or even sometimes in uh, a written test. Those are some of the subtleties of, of uh, racism today. How about out when you're out and moving around in the city? 
Only if it's a department store, the person might not, the salesperson might not look at you, might wait on other persons prior to you. If it's a police department, uh, you can be complaining about selling, people selling dope on the corner in the Afro-American neighborhood, and the police department will do nothing about it whereas uh, a tree might be broken or cat might be in a tree uh, in South St. Louis and the police will respond very quickly. Um, those are some examples. Mr. Say, um, did everyone serve their full sentences? No. Some of us got out. Uh, some served shorter sentences. Uh, some did not have to pay the fine. I'm I'm hazy on that. I don't remember mm -hmm. who those persons. Everyone were. seems to be hazy on the. <laughs> yeah. I have asked that before. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. I think Benjamin Goins got out. Clay got out. And he got uh, out early. Yes. Yes. I'm almost certain that Clay got out early because I think his term was free almost a year or nine months I think his, his, and I've, I've been trying to find that information I've called the sheriff's office trying to get that information uh -huh. but I haven't been able to get that um, 